With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. So, with that taken care of, why don't I get into my full... Well, blah, 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 blah. What's up, nerds? It's basketball. Welcome to Horse, a basketball podcast about everything except for the wins and losses. My name is Mike Schubert, and I'm joined by my trusted co-host, the Seattle Storm being in the WNBA lottery and having a 10% chance of getting the number one pick to the Seattle Storm not getting the number one pick and staying at number four. It's Adam Mamawala. Adam, how's it going? (laughs) I'm sure you were very much hoping for a Caitlin Clark situation, but you know what? The Indiana Fever are going to be fun to watch. They are going to be fun. Now, here is my little sneaky insight because I needed some copium to cope with the sadness. I knew it was only a 10% chance, but part of me was like, look, the Storm have won the number one pick to get Jewel Lloyd and Brianna Stewart. Mm -hmm. Maybe we're just the Spurs where we're very good at being bad only in short spurts of time. (laughs) And... I messaged Jordan Liggins saying, should I feel okay about the number four pick? I've heard this draft class is supposed to be pretty good. And our correspondent Jordan said that it's a tricky situation because all of these people can still use like their COVID year and stay an extra year in college if they wanted to. So for a lot of these players, they could stay back another year if they really want to cement their legacy. Mm -hmm. So now I feel like Caitlin Clark is probably go to the pros. I think it would be a bit foolish to stay back. I think she's definitely going to go to the pros. But now I am just hoping, and I don't want to root against anyone, but all the good players, I hope you all come in second place in the NCAA tournament right? <laughs> so that you are so close. Like the Matt Leinert effect for college football, football right. reference, ugh, where he kept like, didn't he, he kept getting, like they kept not winning the national championship or something. So he kept staying. Yeah, that sounds right. I think I associated it more with the Buffalo Bills getting to four straight Super Bowls and losing mm-hmm. all of them, but sim- similar sort of thing. But the thing is, I think, If Caitlin Clark, like if Iowa got to the finals again and lost again, I still think she goes to the WNBA. The only way I could see that not happening is if they like get shocked and lose in the first round of the tournament, where she'd be like, I can't possibly leave with that. Can't end on that note. But also, I kind of think that no matter what, she's she's going. Unless, unless she's like, Ugh, Indiana, gross. Like, and then she could pull a Kobe. She could be like, I just right. want, I don't want to play in Indiana. But with all due respect to all Midwestern <laughs> states, if you're willing to play in Iowa, you're probably okay to play in Indiana. 
It's like she's coming from like UCLA and she's like, I like being in California. The other thing is Indiana, it's not like a bad team to go on. Yes, they didn't have a great record of late, but they do have Aaliyah Boston who just won rookie of the Mm -hmm. year and she was the number one pick last year. So like in theory, you would have an incredible running partner that is about your age and is already doing great things. in the. And wasn't she the representative? At the draft. Yes. Yeah. Yes, she was. Yes, she was. And she looked cool and looked very happy. And it made me even sadder. <laughs> but <laughs> it's okay. I'm sure the Storm will still get someone good. But it wasn't the, uh, you know, pie in the sky dreams I had. But let's get into more basketball discussions, potentially happier basketball discussions. And to prepare for those basketball discussions, let's go to the Teal Memorial locker room, which, according to the Christmas holiday season that we've got going on is playing holiday music, but they have a Mm. long enough playlist where it's not repeating stuff, which was the downfall of when I worked at Papado Seafood Kitchen. They only played Cajun Christmas songs, and there's not that many. So the loop was like 42 minutes. And when you're a waiter, that's not long enough. You're working long shifts. You're hearing the same songs a lot. I would love to feel sympathetic towards you, but uh, I did used to work at Abercrombie & Fitch. And if you want Ah. to imagine the worst possible music playing, just on a loop forever. Uh, Yeah. And the smells. How did you not have a headache every day? Yeah, a lot of techno and a lot of uh, fierce cologne being sprayed around. That was somebody's job was to go around and spritz the store. (laughs) Did they wear like a gas mask? No. Or did they just? Okay. I feel like that's a future class action lawsuit. Did you work at? You know what? Fumes from your own hair. would actually block out the fumes of the... <laughs> That's going to be a future thing. Did you work at Abercrombie & Fitch between 2000 and 2010? You might... Yeah, <laughs> but unfortunately, Abercrombie & Fitch already sounds like a law office. Oh, gross. It does. <laughs> yeah. Ugh, man. Goodness gracious. Anyway, let's get prepared in the Teal Memorial locker room. You know who's not using Abercrombie & Fitch deodorant slash body spray slash cologne? Unless I they want to. I would say certainly not Teal and certainly not any of our patrons. I just, I would be surprised if they were. I would be surprised, but if you are, you do you. Anyway, though, thank you to our producer-level patrons. Polly Burge, Kendra Hadley, Salvatore Testa, Siobhan Ellsbury, Don't Go Chasing Taco Falls, bang, bang, Roast Beef Debris, How About Them World Champion Denver Steamed Nuggets, Anna Reed, Steph Curry for three, but does it really matter if your team sucks? Bang. Ooh, hi, Trish. Nicole Shepard, <laughs> Chase Underulo, Mr. Bubbles Plays Ball, Naked Rachel, Josh Isn't Rich, Sydney Crosby is a vampire, Chelsea's cousin, Ginger Spurs Boy, and Balls to the Walls. Indeed, and shout out to, I believe, Ginger Spurs Boy is Matthew, right? Yes. Matthew uh, was visiting New York City and came to a show of mine last week. So very cool. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I might be seeing Matthew at at least one of the Texas TNO shows that I have Ooh, coming up. So fun. fun stuff all around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what else is fun stuff all around? Being sponsored. Being sponsored. Now, let's say hypothetically you live in Indiana and you're really happy about the fever potentially getting a very, very good player. Mm-hmm. Maybe you want to celebrate that. Well... You could celebrate with Shaker and Spoon. You could go to shakerandspoon.com slash horse and get $20 off your first box, which is about 50% off. And then they will send you a box with all the fixins and mixins to make 12 total drinks, four servings of three different drinks. That's like a full basketball team. The same liquor. You could give it to yeah, the fever. We could, 
you could invite your whole team over. Yeah, in, yeah okay, Indiana Fever. You're going to have a party. Why don't you <laughs> have one drink per player on the active roster? Yeah. And yeah, all you got to do is buy the liquor. They give you everything else. I've used them before for multiple boxes. I've used it just for having people over. I've used it in conjunction with a party. It's a great time. And then you get to keep the recipe cards and have that knowledge forever. It's great. So if you want to get that and get money off of your first box, go to shakerandspoon.com slash horse. Now, you're going to hear some other ads. Some of them will be read by us. Others of them won't be. The ones that aren't read by us are inserted locally. So if you live internationally, not in America, in a non-English speaking country, you might hear an ad in your country's native language. But once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Horse. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. All right, Adam, what's going on? I know, I guess by the time people are hearing this, the big show will be over. So hopefully that went swimmingly. Yes, I hope it did. And uh, and hopefully some of you folks came to it. And if you did, thank you so much for being there. And I hope I said hello to you after the show. But as of your listening to this, I don't really have much stuff for the remainder of this calendar year, but obviously there's not much of the year remaining anyway. I have kind of the same stuff that I've already mentioned before, which is that in January, I will be in Montana for some shows. Then I will be in Las Vegas for a week of shows. So if you're in the Vegas area, come out to the MGM and Brad Garrett's Comedy Club to see me there from January 8th through 14th. Then I have some other stuff in the works. The only things I probably haven't mentioned yet, still working on a Philly date, working on a DC date, hoping for a Louisville weekend, Ooh. possibly a, a Dallas weekend mm. in March. So I'll keep everybody posted on that. I'm also going to be in Boston again at the end of April. That's a new one. So I'll be, uh, I'll be in Boston and doing some shows. I'm also going to be in Maine for the first time in a long time. And uh, so I'll be in Portland, Maine, and then hopefully New Hampshire as well. But I got a little run going. But there will be plenty of time for me to tell you about that because it's six months from now. Uh, Shubes, what do you have going on? Sure. So by the time people are hearing this, you can still see me if you live in Dallas today because this would come out on the 18th of December. And we had to move the December 13th, the Dallas show for arguably a very, very cool reason, but it came together very, very last minute. But two of those Texas shows will have been completed, Austin and San Antonio. So again, I hope I said hello and thank you to everyone who came to those. But Dallas is December 18th. Houston is December 19th. And then I've got shows early next year coming to Florida. Gainesville, Tampa, and Orlando on February 8th, 9th, and 10th. And then February 18th, I'll be in Denver. February 20th, I'll be in Phoenix. And then by the time this episode comes out, I will have announced the information about live shows in Raleigh and Charlotte, North Carolina, I believe. So just check my social medias, the TNO social medias, the Potter social medias uh, for all of the details about that because I don't have it in front of me right this second, but we are announcing it in a couple of days after the time of recording. Time travel is fun. But you can get tickets <laughs> to all the shows that I'm doing at schub.es slash tour. So how about we get into NBQ&A? Do we have an NBQ&A this episode? NBQ&A for this episode is from 
Mira sent us an email with the subject line stats, which we notoriously don't talk about, but we do kind of, but we don't, but also we do. The question says, hey, Mike and Adam, this seems super random, uh, but my stats professor is making everyone in my class give our opinion on the greatest five NBA players of all time. And obviously only your opinions actually matter. So I thought I'd try and ask. Have a great rest of your day and happy holidays. Thank you. And same to you, Mira. Now, this is not specifically what you asked for, but because this is from your stats professor, I think it's only fair to answer this question purely based on stats. So Okay, yeah. Give a more statistical yes. justification of the top five. Which this is honestly one of the times where I say like, yeah, I think you can make the case that LeBron is better than Michael Jordan because yes. when you look at the body of work, it's kind of hard to argue that. So if we're talking mm-hmm. stats, a couple names come to mind. I think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar obviously is right. up there because of the number of points. Who else is like top of the list for you in terms of statistical categories or like best overall yeah. statistical mm-hmm. thing doing, if you will? Like if you were to pick sure. the best fantasy player of all time, yeah, yeah, who yeah. would it be? I feel like LeBron is the easy selection for number one statistical overall. He's already the number one most points scored and most minutes played player and he's still playing incredibly well this year so we would think it's going to continue so lebron for sure i think kareem is another really good one really high amount of points high number of championships Mm -hmm. etc i would say steph should be up there as well even though i think he still has more to go in the body of work category but like his career is going to age so well with his shooting ability and if you look at his statistics of three-point shooting it's just astronomical already and i don't think he's close to ending his career yet so i would still put him up there I think Wilt Chamberlain also makes sense as someone statistics-wise just because, like, you look at some of the numbers he put up in games, 100-point game, and then also, like, oh, yeah, in the playoffs, he averaged 25 rebounds a game. Like, just right. absurd stuff. And then if you got to go another stats person— I mean, is it is it crazy to say Russ or to say— I was going to say like, that. It's Russ not or, ridiculous. Or Robertson? I feel like— Right. It's not ridiculous yeah. to say either of those. I think the harder thing, if you're going to say greatest of all times, I feel like you kind of want to combine stats with championships, Agreed. which makes me want to lean towards someone like Tim Duncan. Mm-hmm. Because I especially think Tim Duncan, if you're looking at, like, total hardware, because you've got, you know— all NBA teams, all defense teams, championships. Like, I think that he kind of checks the boxes of, like, just a consummate champion if you're going by those sort of statistics. So I feel like... Well, but if we're going down that route, then it would be impossible to not include Jordan, obviously, but also Bill Mm -hmm. Russell. That's true. That's true. Of course, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, anybody who, like, won... And Kobe, I think, as well. Like, Kobe might not have been as efficient, and he might not have filled the stat sheet in terms of, like, rebounds and assists as much. But if we're talking about scoring, obviously, pedigree in terms of championships won and overall scoring, like, I think he's probably up there 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 there's so many good players that like there's so many good it's almost impossible to answer if i have to go with a five i'm gonna say lebron jordan steph kareem and we didn't even give love to our our boy Shaq. i know but statistically i don't know that it's there uh who else do we say lebron lebron and jordan are the easy ones yeah and then the number five i think you could make an argument for will you could make an argument for so is steph an easy top five of all time for you I think so, just because if you're looking at the three-point numbers, it's ridiculous. Like, it's right. just so ludicrous, and he's already got ludicrous. the most three-pointers. Oh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think he's got to be a top five. I was referencing no that State Farm commercial where someone says something is ludicrous, and then ludicrous appears. Ah, 
A surprise ludicrous. Yeah, he probably got paid like $500,000 to appear for two seconds. Speaking of $500,000, I have to say, I saw my favorite uh, tweet in relation to the NBA in-season tournament, which we are about to discuss, was... (laughs) LeBron is trying to do something that Michael Jordan was never able to do. Leave Vegas up five hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty pretty good. So yeah, so, I feel like that mostly answers the question. Uh, I you know don't want to lock you into a five, but I think by us really struggling to narrow in on a five shows that this is a really tricky question mm-hmm. and you can't really go wrong. Yeah, you can kind of stats your way into whatever reason you think. I would like to know what your stats professor thinks about this question yes i think that would be fun please let us know what your stats professor would say in terms of best players it'd be interesting yeah but thank you for the question and thank you for listening Mm -hmm. so now let's get into full court press get it like the news i do so as adam alluded to we have and as lebron let us know you can never ever wash away the first time someone does something and the Lakers have won (laughs) the first in-season tournament they are the first winners and recipients of the NBA Cup LeBron is the first in-season tournament MVP cementing his legacy over Michael Jordan who won zero in-season tournament MVP awards (laughs) (laughs) hey just the goat just the goat doing goat stuff you know yeah, like overall, I think the NCAA tournament was very cool. The players seemed to yeah. care. It was fun. It was something different. The courts were cool. Like it spiced things up. I liked it. I do think it's funny to have like a full championship parade after it, though. Or I don't know. Not the parade, well, not but like parade, Adam but Silver's yeah. here yeah, yeah, and they're yeah. bringing out the stuff and they're yeah. handing out the trophies. It's like, like I was watching the end of the game and once it ended, I turned it off. Like I didn't <laughs> care. <laughs> I'm not proud of this because I do this podcast because I am a huge basketball fan. I was on a flight on the way home from my shows in Arkansas over the weekend. I had started watching the film Blackberry. I don't know if you, even know if you've heard of it. It's just like a film no. about the rise and fall of the phone Blackberry. It was oh, very that, yeah, good. Okay. It stars Jay Baruchel and Glenn Howerton, who are both comedic actors who were in serious mm-hmm. roles. They're great. All that to say, I wanted to watch the end of the movie, so I just watched that instead of <laughs> the <laughs> Lakers-Pacers uh, championship game. I was like watching bits and pieces of it, and I was like, ah, you, you, there's nothing worse than being on a flight and being like, all right, I've got 30 minutes left in this flight and 40 minutes left in this movie. I'm not going to just go find the movie again. I, I have to finish it. So mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. I did what I had yeah. to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. So, I mean, I still think it was fun. The games were fun. There were some funny things that happened because of it. First off, the court was a special red and blue in-season tournament court, and the Lakers were forbidden from wearing their black jerseys from this season, Mm. their city edition jerseys, that they had worn, I believe, in every other in-season tournament game, and they hadn't lost while wearing those jerseys, so they wanted to wear those for the finals as well, and then the NBA was like, you can't because of concerns over the clashing color on the court, like the court, I guess, was too dark for the I appreciate the colorblind inclusion. Yeah, I think that's nice, but I, it was just so funny that the Lakers were upset about this. One unnamed player on the Lakers about it said, that's ass. Oh. So, uh, you know, <laughs> it's fun speculation I mean, about thank which Lakers said that's that ass. This was basketball and not baseball because baseball reference ding, ding, ding. Mm-hmm. Baseball, notoriously superstitious to the point of being oh, ridiculous. Yeah. And I guarantee mm-hmm. you that uh, there was a, a story where Chris Sale, the pitcher for, at the time, the White Sox, cut off the sleeves of a jersey because he was so incensed about having to wear a particular jersey and he felt that it like Mm -hmm. impacted his 
throwing motion. Le- and LeBron as Le- well, right? Mm-hmm. LeBron famously, during the Adidas sleeved jersey era, when they thought more people would buy jerseys with sleeves on them because they didn't want to show off their armpits, LeBron <laughs> ripped his sleeves during, I think, a finals game. And then they ended up right. winning. And that was like the most iconic thing of the sleeved jerseys. I think one is LeBron ripping them and two is Steph making the first double bang, bang, bang shot in them. <laughs> That's like the legacy of the sleeved jerseys, yeah. which are weirdly, I don't know, they, they make me feel very nostalgic about the mid 2010s, but I, I still don't know if I was in or yeah. out on them. <laughs> Do you have any other big takeaways from the in-season tournament in terms of like who impressed you the most obviously the Pacers had a great run to get to the final game like who did the Knicks end up getting eliminated by or did they just not like knock it out of their group we got eliminated by the Bucks. we were the wild card selection in the east we lost to the Bucks, who had like the most historic shooting performance in a game it was something like if Brooke Lopez didn't brick a three at the end of the game it would have been like statistically the highest field goal percentage by a team over wow. a certain amount of shots taken. So it was like, we lost, but like the Bucks just played out of their minds against us. I Was that the game where was... Randall, like I texted you because Randall had a great game, but the Bucks scored like 150 points? Yes, yes. Okay. It, the final score was like 146 to 121. So it was like, yeah, Wild. good for Stats Julius Randall, but we lost. But I enjoyed the in-season tournament. I think it was good. I think the Pacers, it was funny because this whole season, to me, the Pacers reek of the DeMar DeRozan era Raptors, where it's like they're going to be great in the regular season. And then when a playoff series comes around, the other team's going to realize, you know who can't guard anybody? Tyrese mm. Halliburton. What if we just put him in 75 pick and rolls? And that's what the Lakers did. And like, I think that's what's going to happen. Like, The Pacers are fun and they've got a cool team. But I think in the playoffs, it's going to be pretty easy to thwart them because they just don't play defense. And I right. think that a team can outsmart them. So I feel like it was a microcosm of what I expect for the Pacers this hmm. coming playoffs because it was like, this is effectively a mini playoffs. But I think the in-season tournament was fun. The thing that's weird with the in-season tournament though, there was some, you know, rumblings on the Knicks subreddit about this because of the way it worked with how it all goes down of like the quarterfinals and what teams you play and the wins and losses and all that. If we had not made it to the in-season tournament, we would have played an extra game against the Wizards and the Bulls, I think, or two bad Eastern Conference teams. Hmm. But because we were in the running and in the playoffs, we have to play like the Bucks and the Celtics an extra time. Eek. So it's this weird thing like of like punishment. Yeah, it's this weird thing of like being kind of good in the in-season tournament or like making it but not winning it sucks because Mm -hmm. you then end up, I guess, playing the other teams that were in contention for the in-season tournament. So I think it's one of those things where it's just like, is two games going to really affect the sample size in the grand scheme of things, no, but, like, but yeah, it I would love seating. to play the Wizards. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, if it yeah, comes yeah. down to one game at the end of the year, I will be furious that we didn't get right. to play the Wizards an extra time because yeah. that's a free win, baby. Mm-hmm. That's a free W. So, In your yeah. opinion, how for real are the Lakers as a contender? I think that they... I think they're like the inverse Pacers, like not going to be great during the regular season, but will be scary during the playoffs. And I think it all comes down to health. It's all going to come down to if Anthony Davis is healthy for the playoffs, they can win the finals. 
Right. If Anthony Davis is healthy and LeBron is healthy, they're scary. If one of those guys is at least banged up, like you need both of those guys at 100% with the rest of their roster. So if those guys aren't both firing on all cylinders, I do not have high hopes for them. Yeah. And I am happy to report that friends of the pod, CJ Toledano and Megan Gailey, CJ is a huge Lakers fan. Megan is a huge Pacers fan. They attended the game and they are still married as far as I know, which is good. Yes. Yes. They did post a tweet of it. CJ tweeted saying we're still together or something. And then Megan (laughs) replied, close mouth smile. You can tell I'm pissed. (laughs) Pretty good. What a cool thing, though. Yeah, that's so cool that their two teams happen to do it. Here's hoping that we can somehow, I don't know, is it? it's always in East and West, though, so we'll never get Bulls-Knicks, so. right? But we could get a Bulls-Knicks. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I've been, I think it has been since the 90s that the Bulls and Knicks have played in the playoffs. So yeah, I'm very much hoping for that sometime in the, uh, feels like a long way in the future for me right now. But the Bulls have won <sighs> four straight, baby. I'm ready to be heard again. It's so funny that every time the Bulls are like, all right, blow it up. They're like, what if we keep winning? It's just like you. It's just the uh, no. worst thing I mean, that could have happened to you. <laughs> yeah, no, they still will. And and they're also winning okay. without Zach Levine. So that's uh-huh. even more of a reason to probably incentive trade to trade him. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, they now, just beat the Spurs who like they can uh, beat yeah, people, right. but the, they're not a good team. Right. And I, that's something I wanted to cover for the remainder of Full Court Press is that we don't necessarily talk about the wins and losses, but something that is fun happening this season that did not happen last season. I feel like last season was the year of parody where it was like mm-hmm. every team is good. Like there was a point where the Lakers were like still in the running and they were like 13th in the West right. out of 15. And it was wild. This season has been a little bit different. Uh, you've got the Detroit Pistons who went the entire month of November where I believe they played 18 games, potentially 19 games, and yeah. they won zero of them. They're really they bad. Are, they are really 2 bad. and 20, not great. The Wizards yes. are 3 and 18. Oof. And the Spurs, the only reason more people are not talking about their 14 game losing streak is that the Pistons had a longer one. So the Spurs <laughs> are 3 and 18. Now, you've also got some other teams not doing super well. Blazers 6 and 15, but they're supposed to be bad. Grizzlies 6 and 15, Hornets 7 and 13. The Warriors are the shocking one. The Warriors are kind of where the Lakers were last year. They're like right on the outside of the play-in Yes, they very much feel like the Lakers where it's like, they're not great, but they are the Warriors. So we're going to give them the benefit of the doubt. And nobody would want to face them in a play-in or playoff. Absolutely not. But what's interesting this season is that You've got some real bottom feeder teams, and that was not what was happening last season. It didn't really happen until later, and I think it's because last season there were these teams that we all thought like, oh, the Jazz are going to be terrible. They just traded everyone away, and then they ended up just like being at the top of the league to start the year. Right. And and it sucks because I feel like last year, anytime there was a game on, I was like, yeah, let's watch it. And mm-hmm. now with like five teams that are just unwatchable, there's more games where I'm like, ah, I'm not like... Even when the Knicks are playing, I was like, ah, the Knicks, like the Pistons, right. am I going to watch the Knicks play the Pistons? And mm-hmm. and that stinks. But on the flip side, there's a lot of teams that are really fun this year that was more surprising. Like the Magic being so good is really fun. The Timberwolves being good is really fun. So the Pacers being really good is fun. But some of these teams are just real, real stinkers, real yeah. stinkers. <sighs> well, it was fun, and uh, I guess, I mean, I would think that they're going to keep doing the in-season tournament. I, I don't, there's no reason yeah. to think that they wouldn't. No, I think it's fun. I would love to see them switch it up to where you can have more 
games to determine the seating rather than just like the four. Though I did enjoy the tie break that they did was point differential, meaning mm-hmm. if you win a game by 10 points, you get a plus 10. If you lose by two, you get a minus two. And that's how you did the tiebreakers. So you had a lot of games, even if they were blowouts, where it was like, well, if this team wins by 35 points, they can take the higher seed and then teams are like all right let's put them up on the wizards baby unfortunately your bulls were on the receiving end of three such blowouts and they Mm -hmm. complained three different times about people running up the score on them but like yeah you know what here's some advice be better (laughs) that's the nba this isn't little league (laughs) i love play till the buzzer type stuff i think it's cool i think it's fun i hate the whole like we have to run out the clock and then get a couple turnovers by letting the shot clock expire that's the weirdest thing i just let them shoot the I only just, thing I'll say, if it's if it's under 24 seconds left, I'm okay with running out mm-hmm, the clock. Mm-hmm, but the mm-hmm. idea that if you're up by 20, you just have to start dribbling and having 24-second yeah. violations with two minutes left, like, who started that? It's so wild that there is a thing in the game where it's like, there is a penalty if this happens. And that's not justification enough where if someone chucks up a three with two seconds left on the shot clock, people will be like, oh, it's disrespectful. It's like, I, I'm yeah, the team, silly. it's not, the person does not get charged with it in this situation, but it's like the team will be charged with a turnover. Mm-hmm. Like, can I just shoot the ball? I totally agree. If you're up by more than enough where they're not even fouling you, like you're up by eight or 10 or whatever, and there's 12 seconds left, then yeah, just dribble it out. But Just if treat 40... it like an all-star game. Just, just trade half-court shots just for fun. There was a time where the Knicks were winning a game by not that much. It was like five points or something, and there were 15 seconds left, and there was a turnover, and Obi Toppin did a cool through-the-legs dunk. It's like, look, man, five points is not enough. We might as well score. And if we're going to have a wide open dunk, do something cool. People paid money to be here. Totally. Like, do something fun. There was a game I was at at MSG where the Knicks were beating the Spurs by a little bit. And they did an off the backboard pass dunk to Mitchell Robinson. It was oh, so yeah. fun. And yeah. the game was a blowout. So, like, the last three minutes were kind of boring. Do fun things. Let's have yeah. fun. And that's the in-season tournament. It's fun. Let's have fun. Thesis Agreed. complete. Let's continue to have fun. You want to hit us with a three on three for this episode? Before we do that, I want to mm-hmm. I want to be the bigger person here and I want to give you 10 seconds, no more. Okay. Okay. I'm going to give you 10 seconds at the end of full court press to be excited about Juan Soto going to the Yankees. What do you got? Mm. He's a very big baseball boy. He hits the ball very hard, and I think that will be good. I like that he is on the team and the Yankees are better when people hate us and now people hate us more. <laughs> there you go. I think that was right mm-hmm. at 10 seconds. You did a great job. I did send an angry an angry emoji as part of my congratulations that you got Juan Soto. Mm-hmm. But he's a great player. And uh, as a baseball fan and someone who lives uh, about a 20-minute walk from Yankee Stadium, it is cool that I can go see him whenever I want to. Yeah, go for it. Why not? One, two, three. Three, two, one. Three on three. So with that taken care of, let me get into my three on three. And as you know, as we just talked about, despite a surprising recent four-game winning streak that will probably end tonight or tomorrow when the Bulls play the Bucks and Nuggets, oof. Um, It has been pretty tough going in Chicago, but when you're a Bulls fan, there's one person you can always count on. Zach Levine? Nope. DeMar DeRozan? Still no. Certainly, I must be talking about Michael Jordan. I'm still not. I'm not even talking about the GOAT. I'm talking about the Bull. Yes, Benny. Benny the Bull, (laughs) to be exact. Since 1969, nice. Long before the Chicago Bulls were a relevant basketball franchise, Benny the Bull has been entertaining fans both young and old. So today... I proudly present my three favorite and least favorite Benny the Bull bits. 
Yes, good. I feel like we've touched on Benny the Bull bits, but I don't think we've ever dedicated a three-on-three to it. This makes me very excited. Benny the Bull is <laughs> featured in my childhood basketball book that I read, Ooh. Wacky Basketball Facts, to bounce around, which did nice. have Michael Jordan on the cover, and Benny the Bull had a whole two-page spread about some of the antics that he did, including somersaults and riding a tricycle. There you go. Now, this is, of course, a three-on-three, but to give you a bit of that actually happened flavor, let me present a bit of history about Benny before I get into my favorite bits of his. Much like Charles Entertainment Cheese, a.k.a. Chuck E. Cheese, (laughs) Benny does, in fact, have an official full-length name, which is... Oh. Do you know what it is? No. It is Benjamin... T bull. And I have to be honest. Yes. And I am embarrassed to admit how long it took me to figure that out. I was like scouring the internet. Like what the hell does the T stand for? And finally it's like, Oh, (laughs) Benny, the bull, Benny T bull. So it's also particularly fun that I couldn't figure that out. Given that I went to a college called TCNJ where the running joke is like, why did we abbreviate the word? Oh my God. College of New Jersey. That's I've never, you're right. That's so weird. Yeah, there used to be a running joke. I was an ambassador at TCNJ, which meant that I would give tours to prospective students, that sort of thing. And my college used to be called Trenton State College, and then it changed the name to uh, the College of New Jersey. So underneath the pool in the aquatic center, there was a huge T that stood for Trenton, but they left it there. So the running like dad joke that we would use on our tours was like, now it just stands for the... The only thing I can guess, because I was like, is there a CNJ that they couldn't do? And I've Googled CNJ. It's something that exists in Brazil. Yeah, it could have just been CNJ. But also there's something called, mm, there is the Central Railroad of New Jersey, but wouldn't that be the CRNJ? No, the reporting mark of it is CNJ. That's weird. So it feels like they screwed it up. Either way, Benjamin T. guess. the T stands for the, not to be confused with the G stands for gets, but the T stands for the. Now, Benny was apparently named after the Bulls' first public relations manager and stadium announcer, Ben Brantley. Uh, His middle name was also the. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually Ben Bentley, but uh, yes, whose middle name was certainly the. Ben the Ben. Ben the Um, Now, Benny was also one of the promotional tools that general manager Pat Williams, not to be confused with current Bulls player Patrick Williams, Mm. used to get people to attend Bulls games. Now, at this point, I have to pause to read something verbatim from the Benny the Bull Wikipedia entry. You know how Wikipedia is always asking for money? I think random non sequiturs like this must be the reason why, because this had me absolutely dying. There's a brief section about the Bull who is Benny's cousin who was known for his acrobatic dunks. Per Hmm. Wikipedia, and I quote, "'The bull does not have a tail like other bulls. He lost his tail while practicing his amazing dunks at the United Center. By not having a tail, the bull has been able to perform even more slam dunks and tumbling because his long skinny tail no longer gets in the way. An injury to his hoof during the 1999-2000 bull season sidelined the bull briefly,' but he returned to the trampoline after a short recovery period. His performer, Chester Brewer, was arrested in 2004 for illegally selling marijuana from his car, therefore retiring the mascot, end quote. Didn't see that last part coming, but there you have it. No. Wow. Wow. I mean, yeah, I like the thing where it's like, okay, they have to get rid of the tail because it's like a tripping hazard slash get caught in the rim hazard. Sure. But he injured his hoof. I mean, maybe sure maybe the, it was medical I, marijuana d- because his hoof injury was hurting him. Maybe uh, anyone ever that is a that? fun injury report thing to be like, our dunker guy sprained his ankle. But <laughs> yeah, man, if you've got such a sweet gig as double, you can't jeopardize that by selling marijuana illegally. Come so on. too did the dude you're getting Adele guy back in the day. Oh, mm-hmm. well, 
Yeah, and I think also, oh gosh, too many, too many times, too many too times, too many times. But I actually, I don't want to, I don't want to name drop or brag here, but I actually met Benny the Bull at okay. a at a MetLife work event for my dad when we lived in Illinois. And at the time, I was mm. like young enough to know that there was a person in the costume, but I wasn't mm. old enough to realize that there are sometimes different people in it. So then every time I saw Benny during a Bulls game, I was kind of like Buddy the Elf. And I was like, Benny, I know him. But wasn't that a whole thing where like they had the same guy for a really long time? Because I feel like that guy retired like two or three years ago and it was a big deal. They did, but I don't think that it was always that guy at like an event. Like it was always oh. that guy at the games. But if you like, if MetLife rents Benny the sure. Bull to come to a party, it's not necessarily going to be the guy gotcha. who's like the actual Benny the Bull. So you met the non-actual Benny the Bull. I think so. I mean, I didn't see okay. him without his Benny the Bull head, but that's my guess. But at the time, as a little kid, I would always do like the Leo DiCaprio pointing at the screen meme mm -hmm. every time right, I saw right. Benny mm -hmm. at a game. Nice. In any case, Benny is one of the most iconic mascots in the NBA. And I want to be clear that for the purposes of this three-on-three, -three, I am only going to be talking about Benny's specific bits, not any members of his extended family. Extended family, you say? Do tell. Oh, I certainly will. <laughs> Benny's family includes Mini Benny, a smaller version of him, perhaps mm -hmm. with a child inside, but if I had to guess, just a small woman, I think. Then you have Big Ben, the inflatable version. Benson, mm -hmm. an even larger inflatable version that I had never seen before. Mama Betty who's essentially Benny in drag with a dress, pearls, and a walker. It's like very Tyler so perry So Mrs. Doubtfire. Essentially, okay, yeah. yeah. Medea, yeah. Uh, inflatables, which are more mm -hmm. inflatable Bennies that are somehow apparently different from Big Ben and Benson. And finally, Gus T. Bull, which I'm assuming Gus T. is meant to be like gusty, like windy, right. or the Windy City. Mm -hmm. It's a real stretch. But anyway, I, um, the only thing yeah. I can guess is maybe he's the mascot for their G League team, who's like the Windy that City Bulls it. or whatever. Okay, because yeah. he's a different color bull who dunks sometimes, but I've literally never seen him. So I don't know if he's got to like, be the G League guy. I think, yeah, yeah I think that checks out. That's <laughs> funny that like they have like the Windy City mascot, but then since he's like a lower rank, he's like, well, he's gusty. He's not like windy yeah. <laughs> per se, but he's gusty. <laughs> Maybe Brian Windhorse, a.k.a. Windy, Ooh, was Windy, like, there you mm -mm, go. can't do it. I've filed for trademark. <laughs> All right. Last but not least, before we finally get to the list, there was no way to fit this in because it was a one-time thing. But did you know that Benny the Bull was once on Jerry Springer? <laughs> I don't know what this was for, but they set up this whole thing where a human woman is his girlfriend and she's complaining about how he's never around and he just has games all the time. And then Benny comes out and it's revealed that she has left him for a new man who is then revealed to be the bigger inflatable Benny. And they have a drawn out physical fight. And it's absolutely bonkers. I don't know what the context Incredible. was. It's just something that I found in my research. I don't know why it exists. I don't if know. If you find a from. YouTube video of it, we got to link that. Oh, on the episode thousand page percent. I, I absolutely yeah, yeah, will. Yeah. I absolutely will. Good, 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 good. But... With all of that exposition out of the way, let's finally get to the list. And I'm going to start with my least favorite ongoing Benny bits. At number three, we have Benny's sexual dance moves. Mm. Some people might find them funny, but I, I frankly, I find them disturbing. It's one thing to see Benny do the salsa. It's one of my favorite Benny, Benny gifts. But in recent years, I feel like Benny has trended more towards a lot of like twerking and gyrating, most notably mm. courtside in front of a stone-faced Jay-Z and Diddy, who were both trying way too hard to be cool and not laugh. I don't know if you've ever seen that clip. I think it might be from an all-star game when like all the mascots oh, okay. are there. And Benny is just like trying to do Beyonce dances and like grind in front of them. And they are not 
having it at all. Now, I might be old fashioned, but I, I just want I want a goofy mascot. I don't want one that makes me question whether or not I'm a furry, which would be OK if I were. But now I'm just confused. <laughs> yeah, they're supposed to be there for the kids, too. So, like, you, you don't have to explain much. to the five year old what's going on. You know, yeah. no, no, no. At number two, we have Benny's ongoing Where's Waldo bit, which is kind of self-explanatory. Hmm. They just put him in a red and white horizontal striped shirt and fans try to find him in the stadium. I just feel like it's kind of an outdated bit, and it's also not that hard to find the only fuzzy bull in the crowd. Like, it's not really the shirt that gives him away so much as the fact that he's literally the mascot. <laughs> I just think it's silly. At number one, and I already know I'm going to be sparking some serious controversy over this one, I'm really not a fan of Benny's signature bit, which is, do you know what it is? The popcorn bit? Yeah, I don't like it. Wow. Benny is, is wow. well known for throwing buttery popcorn all over an entire section of paying customers. Now, to be fair, Benny knows that this is problematic. Benny tweeted from his official Twitter account, yes, he has one, and yes, it's absolutely worth a follow, at Benny the Bull. But on New Year's Day of 2022, Benny tweeted, quote, my New Year's resolution is to not spill any popcorn in 2022. I really think I'm going to be able to do it. Popcorn emoji, and then an emoji that I've never seen before. It looked like someone dropping things and then like a line through it, like a no dropping things emoji. They might have just oh. made it for the purposes of the tweet. It's like no littering. I believe, it's, I believe there is a no littering So that must emoji. be what it is. Yeah. Yeah. But some people love this ongoing bit. You might be one of those people, but I'm, I'm a neat freak. And I also don't mm. like people in my personal space. And my opinion is if I've spent enough money to go to a Bulls game, I really don't want greasy buttery popcorn all up in my hair and on my nice is clothes it greased up it's not it's like, like yellow buttery popcorn i don't think that it's like covered in movie theater butter yeah but it's definitely like bright yellow which in my yeah. mind i haven't i have not uh tasted or Been felt on the receiving it, end yeah. but i do i just don't like food getting all over the place i i also don't like food waste and i feel the same way at yeah. weddings and i don't i don't remember if you and kelly did this but i just i really don't love it when people like smush the cake into each other's mouths. oh I kelly like, and i that was explicit yeah, that we were not doing it so good why why do that our entire thing of the wedding was like how do we minimize the cake cutting this is always the worst part of any wedding because everyone just has to stand around and watch you do something very boring it's like yeah. we want to keep dancing so we were like how low profile can we make it it was the quickest thing ever. I think the fact that I don't specifically politely. remember it is the best compliment I can pay you. Mission accomplished. There let's get back to dancing to Calabria 2008. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's get to my favorite ongoing Benny bit, starting with number three, uh, Benny attempting a backwards half-court shot. Oh, He so does cool. this every single game, and it's one of the reasons that having NBA League Pass continues to be worth it, even in a season where the Bulls are a dumpster fire. I believe it's usually during a timeout in the second half that he does this, mm -hmm, but Benny mm -hmm. will stand at half court and then standing backwards, fling a ball with one arm over his head towards the basket. He doesn't always make it, but he's always pretty damn close. Like He it's probably impressive. attempts 20 or 30 of them in that time. He rarely misses completely. Like He almost always hits the backboard or some part of the rim, which is pretty impressive in a heavy suit with fuzzy Muppet hands, as far as I'm concerned. Like, that's, a, that's, that's a hard enough feat to do just as a human. Yes, I totally agree. It's endlessly entertaining, and when he hits it, people go absolutely bonkers. How, yes. how many attempts do you think it would take you, like, not in a costume, just you as Mike? I feel like I could do it in maybe, like, 20 or 30 attempts, but that might be optimistic. In the backwards throw? Yeah. Only because I, I no. used to do it just to, like, goof around. I've never really done it. I think it would take me 20 to 30 attempts to make a half-quarter, like, regular mm. shot. Behind the back, I think it would take me, like, 180. Like, the, yeah. I do not think I would be good at all. Interesting. I, I think, think we should try really this. The tough. next time we go to a basketball court, we're going to uh -huh. try to figure this out. 
That'll take us so long. We'd have to go to a basketball court where they have 38 basketballs and a full team of rebounders. That like, or like definitely a place where no one else is playing because it would be so annoying to mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think it's really cool. It's really impressive. And this is my longstanding thing. Every single game, the halftime performance should either be half court shot or red panda. I'm with you. The woman who's on the giant mm-hmm. unicycle that flips bulls yep. under her head. That's it. You. Don't do, don't give me the thing where the, like the kids play basketball. Don't give me like some of the performance things like circus acts are cool. But like you know it's always cool someone trying a half court shot. Yep, I'm with you. At least except that for that one guy in Los Angeles. In, I don't know if you saw that. Oh, uh, where he like twisted his he ankle tore and his stuff. Achilles. Oh no. Oh, I mean that's no. that's one way to honor that's Kobe, but I don't think it was intentional. Oh, yeah, it was bad. bad. Yeah, maybe it should be a thing in between every quarter. Like between the first and the second, give me a half court Mm -hmm. shot. Between the third and the fourth, give me a half court shot. And you can do the fan one between the first and the second, the mascot one between the third and the fourth, and then halftime, we can do whatever. But like once per game, I need a half court shot attempt. I need it. Yeah, it's so fun. It's always satisfying. Always. Thousand percent. Thousand percent. And as someone who, you know, not to brag, has in fact done a contest on the court at the garden, people, people were into it. People were into it. People love the yeah. contest. I saw people do pop a shot at half court at MSG. <laughs> the crowd was I electric. love the little kid dunk contest where they bring out like a play school hoop and they have like a two or three year old do it. Have you ever seen that? I have oh not my God, seen that. So That's good. It's great. That's good. All That's right. Good. Let me move on to number two where we have a specific incident that I'm going to let slide despite it not being an ongoing bit. So in January of 2022, Devin Booker famously got into a fight with the Raptors mascot for distracting him during free throws. So much so Mm -hmm. that Booker asked for the mascot to be moved from behind the basket. And you remember this, right? Yes. Right. For context, this was during one of the seasons where COVID precautions were still going on. I think this was when Toronto was taking it more seriously than America because we handled it just so well. (laughs) So I understand Devin Booker's anger because that's super distracting if the only person (laughs) in the crowd is the mascot distracting you. But then he was a good sport about it. They like changed their profile pictures on Twitter to pictures of each other. It it became a whole thing. Now... Less than a month later, the Phoenix Suns played in Chicago, and Benny the Bull was ready for his moment. So while Booker was at the free throw line, they did a bit where Benny tried to run behind the basket to distract him, but was then intercepted by two security guards who restrained him and like dramatically dragged him into the tunnel. It was arguably even more distracting than what the Raptor did, and it was incredibly amusing. Uh, I'm guessing Booker was not super amused by it, but I think he probably was a, a reasonably good sport. But hey, you know, mascots got to stick together. I think so. And Booker, the foul shot that he got mad about, it was like 92 to 95 with like 17 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Right. Like it was an incredibly important foul shot. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> so right. I think that was heat of the moment for him. All right. Finally, at number one, we have something that wins just because of randomness alone. At most, if not all Bulls games, Benny does a full front flip down the baseline as the ball is tipped at the beginning of the game. The first time I saw it, I thought I was losing my mind, but he basically starts at one baseline, sprints to the scorer's table as the tip is in the air, and then does a full acrobatic front flip into like a ninja roll and then gets out of dodge right as play begins. There have been a few times where the ball ends up getting tipped in his direction and the players on the other team who aren't expecting it are like very (laughs) thrown off by this (laughs) flying red object. Uh, It's such a silly way for a game to begin. It's my favorite thing always. And just the optics of it are absolutely absurd. So I love it. 
I did not know about this one. I'll have yeah, to find well, a obviously, YouTube video of like yeah, a compilation. I'm going to be, be providing links for all of these things because some of them are, are more Great. visual. But if you can just picture a, a red fuzzy blur flipping across the court, it is absurd. But there you have it, folks, a Benny the Bull appreciation segment that will be expanded in my five on five. You're welcome. And let's uh, let's get to hear that actually happen. So this was inspired by something I saw on Instagram recently. The NBA has been posting a lot about the various accoutrements that you can get that is City Edition themed. They've got NBA ugly Christmas sweaters that look like the City Edition jerseys and stuff like that. The Clippers made a post with some of their players wearing some of these merchandise items looking very fashionable. And it reminded me of a time that someone who's on the Clippers now, Paul George, he was on the Pacers and once did a fashion photo shoot that tanked the Indiana Pacers season. Do you remember the infamous GQ? photo shoot that ruined the 2013-2014 no, Indiana so Pacers. I'm excited to hear about it. All right. Let me first and foremost send you in the chat an image. This was in one of the issues of GQ. This was about the Pacers because this was like the year after the Pacers were becoming really good and becoming a threat to the league. So they were being put on the map. And here's the photo. If you're listening, this is probably going to be what we'll post on Instagram as the image announcing that this episode is live. So this photo okay. is just this very mm -hmm. infamous photo. And to describe it for the folks listening at home, you've got from left to right, David West wearing a rolled up tracksuit top with a towel around his neck. And it no shirt underneath the zip-up jacket, and it's very unzipped. He's got his pants pretty low to where his underwear is exposed at the top. Then you've got George Hill wearing a beanie, very a shoe on his head, and a denim shirt that has got the top one, two, three, four buttons unbuttoned, so you can very much see his chest tattoo. You've got Paul George in a Pacers tank top, but the tank top is cut very, very deep like a muscle shirt. You can see Paul George's right nipple. You then have Roy Hibbert, who is dressed more modestly, though still with like a deep tank top where you can see some of his chest hair and then an open jacket. And then you've got Lance Stevenson wearing a cool backwards hat, a tank top, some sweatpants, and then a Gatorade towel around his neck, and he's looking very menacing. I believe all of the boys are oiled up, so their muscles are looking nice and shiny. And this was a photo that made its way into GQ. People clowned the team for it because they looked like an R&B 90s group. And then they started playing terrible basketball afterwards. That's so funny. Wow. I mean, it is... <laughs> It's a silly looking photo for sure. And that's a perfect description of it. It does. It looks like an R&B album cover for sure. Yeah. So I want to give a shout out to an article that was on iPacers.com written in 2017 by Derek Kramer, who kind of recapped a lot of this. And then I used some other sources to find more of this information. But Derek had a pretty good summation of it looking back at this wild photo. But here's the story of this infamous photograph. So let's go back to the 2013-2014 Indiana Pacers. In the previous season, they had won their division going 49 and 32, which is pretty respectable. Now, you might be thinking, Mike, 49 plus 32 is 81. Aren't there 82 games in an NBA season? Yes, but they had one game canceled that season because they were supposed to play the Celtics, but it was right after the Boston Marathon bombing. Oh, gosh. And the game got hmm. canceled. I know, just one of those like weird things that I would never have remembered as like an NBA factoid. Like mm. I could see that coming up in jeopardy. Right. Like the Pacers and the Celtics played one less game in 2013. What was the reason? Yeah. So it would be a pretty wild, grim like, jeopardy question, stamp. but you're, you're right. 
It would be grim, but it was just a, I, I was like, what the heck is up with this 81 Yeah, because you'll see season? that in baseball but, because of like rainouts if they don't end up making it up. But in the NBA, like when is there, a, there has actually been an occasional rainout if there's like a leaky roof, but you don't see it a lot. Leaky roof, you've got condensation on the court if it's a, an arena where there's also an NHL yeah. team, but then they usually play them like pretty soon after. But that season went very well for them. They made their way to the Eastern Conference Finals. They lost to the LeBron, Wade, Bosch, Heat, the Heatles in a game seven. So they took them to seven and ended up losing. But there were still high hopes. It was like, all right, Paul George had made his first all-star team. Roy Hibbert had made his first all-star team. They were, you know, on the map. And then the next season comes. They start the year 33 and 7, Ooh. which is incredible. They were the best record in the league at that time. Paul George and Roy Hibbert both made the All-Star team again, so second consecutive selection. They had the best defense in the league by a mile. Mm-hmm. So on January 29th, 2014, I found an article that was posted by Kirk Goldsberry who was with Grantland at the time. And Kirk wrote that the Pacers had a defensive rating of 93.9. What defensive rating means is basically how many points the other team scores on them during a game, what you can expect. Mm -hmm. You also see sometimes defensive ratings being done to be like per 100 possessions so that it can adjust for if a team plays fast and slow, stuff like that. So their defensive rating, let's just round it up to 94. League average was about 102. Mm. And the second best team was your Chicago Bulls Mm. at that time. And theirs was about 98. So the difference between the number one defense in the league and the number two defense in the league was the same as number two and number 15. That is the Pacers were a great astronomically they yeah. were astronomically good wow. at defense. Kirk went on to say that teams playing against the Pacers had the worst field goal percentage close to the basket. So anything within eight feet of the basket, any team that played against the Pacers had the worst field goal percentage. This was also the case for anyone shooting three pointers. So if you played the Pacers, you were going to shoot the worst at the rim and beyond the three point line, which are the two places you want to shoot the basketball (laughs) most often to win games. So they were just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Pacers continued to look good until this fateful photo shoot on February 25th, 2014. The photo shoot dropped and I believe the photo was leaked before the actual article came out. There's some tweets like, this is going to be in the next issue of GQ. What do you think? And everyone was like, this is bad. This is bad. <laughs> I remember at the time I was like, it's fun. Why not? Yeah. But everyone else was like, this is stupid. I, I love the it. idea that people do the body image of ESPN where they're literally naked and nobody clowns them as much as mm-hmm. this photo. Yeah, I guess like with the body image, there's like a purpose. They're like, let's showcase interesting muscles on the most ripped people on earth. But this was just like, what if the Pacers were sexy? (laughs) So I don't know. But that gets posted. At the time of posting, the Pacers are 42 and 13. That's a 76% winning percentage. After the shoe went live, they finished the season 14 and 13, which is a 52% winning percentage. Their winning percentage dropped 24 percentage points. <sighs> Not ideal. They still did end up winning the division, which was okay. But if you look at some of the statistical differences in before and after the photo with two key players, Paul George and Roy Hibbert, they're two all-stars. It's just such a stark drop in their statistics. For example, let's look at Paul George's field goal percentage from 
as the year goes on. October, 49%. November, 47%. December, 47%. January, 41%. February, 40%. March, 37%. Mm. April, 40%. Like, it's just, ooh. And then Roy Hibbert had just, like, such a stark difference between before and after. He's basically shooting between 45 and 52% the whole year. And then after February and March, 42%. And then in April, 24%. Yikes. Like, uh, there were some big drops. Roy Hibbert's points per game was like slashed in half. It was just, they just truly fell off a cliff. It was just ridiculous. Now, statistics aside, there were also incredibly bad vibes around the Indiana Pacers after the photo shoot. Roy Hibbert got frustrated and leaked out to a media person that the Pacers have, quote, some selfish dudes on the team saying that they need to, you know, get the ball to some of the big men. He's saying the big men are just out there standing around and it's making them look bad. Hmm. Then there was an off-court rumor that stated Paul George had an affair with Roy Hibbert, his teammate, with Roy Hibbert's fiance. Oof. Now, the start of this was an anonymous email that was sent to reputable website balleralert.com, which I had never heard of until I was mm-hmm. researching this. So I don't think it was very legitimate. And to squash these rumors, Paul George went to the one place you do that, Instagram. And he posted a photo of him, Roy Hibbert, and George Hill fishing. And the caption was, quote, these rumors have got to stop. It's getting old now. And all you that believe them are ignorant. Hashtag brothers. Hmm. So squashed the beef. I believe that did squash it, though. They interviewed Roy Hibbert. He was like, this is ridiculous. So I think it was all completely yeah. farcical. But there were just all these random rumblings. Now. There was something very real that did happen after the photo shoot. So just before the photo shoot at the NBA trade deadline, the Pacers traded Danny Granger, who was like this beloved player who had been on the Pacers for a very long time. He was injury prone. It wasn't great, but he was kind of like Udonis Haslam on the heat where he's like the heart and soul of the team. Mm -hmm. They traded him for Evan Turner, who had a very similar play style to Lance Stevenson. So this upset Lance Stevenson, who was on the team, and it was like, why do we trade for a guy who's so similar to me? What does this mean about my role? Apparently, the two of them did not get along very well, and they got into a literal fist fight the night before the NBA it's basically playoffs. How, not- it's basically how Terrence Mann felt when the Clippers got James Harden. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they had an actual wow. fist fight the night before the playoffs. They had to be separated. Like Evan Turner had cuts where and bruises did this take place? in a practice. Okay. It was a it was at a practice, and Evan Turner went on the Low Post, a very good NBA podcast, and talked about it. And we learned from this that it was instigated by notable good guy and good vibes person Andrew Bynum, who the Pacers oh, also Jesus traded Christ. for at the trade deadline. Yeah, this guy. Just look Andrew at- Bynum, who once almost killed JJ Barea. Yeah, if you want to see how bad of a person Andrew Bynum is, just YouTube search or just go to the episode page of Horse Hoops. Andrew Bynum, J.J. Barea. He was losing a game by a lot of points, and what did he do? Elbowed a man in midair for no good reason. He could have, I mean, it's not hyperbolic to say he could have broken his neck easily. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, if you're in midair and you get hit with that much force, like, who knows how you're going to land? It's beyond dangerous. One of the most brutal things I've seen while watching a game, and I was watching that game live, and I was like, what's going on? That was Phil Jackson's last game coaching the Lakers. Oh, what a way to go out. My goodness. So Evan Turner was on the low post, years after and talked about this. Here's what he says. Quote, what really happened was, I don't know if I was guarding Lance or Lance was guarding me. We're guarding each other. We're going over offensive plays. Andrew Bynum, 
It was partially his fault. Lance must have scored on Bynum and was like, ooh, easy. And I think I had to guard Lance again. I might have tripped him or something, and Bynum's kind of hyping it up like, ooh. I think Lance tried to move me back, tried to little boy me. I slapped the ball down. Before that, Lance said something to Bynum like, he ain't got the heart I got. Something along the lines of getting under your skin. Lance is from New York. I'm from Chicago. New Yorkers, they may talk a little more, and it means nothing to them. As opposed to me, I might take that more serious. Which, as New Yorker, that tracks for Chicagoan? Does that track where like you might get a little more perturbed by trash talk? I think so. Anything said within the lines means nothing. I think think in New York, it's just a an expectation that people are going to talk shit, whereas like Midwesterners, even on the basketball Mm. court, tend to be a little more reserved and polite. So if they say some shit, they mean it. Yeah, for me. And I once I, I always remember this clear as day. I was playing pickup with a guy who was from New York in Houston and we were guarding against each other and we talked trash the entirety of the game and the second one of the teams scored whatever point we were playing to to win, we shook hands and were like, great game, yeah, well done. And like, everyone else was like, so wait, I thought you guys hated each other. Friendly. You're like, no, 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 we were just, that was part of it. My friend Colin was like, what the fuck is happening? He <laughs> <laughs> was like, oh, yeah, this is what we do. So, Evan continues. When it comes down, I think Lance tries to big boy me with an elbow. I slap the ball down, so Bynum was like, damn! So when I turned around, Lance's finger is like, yo, don't ever do that again. When he put his finger in my face, I push him back. He fakes a punch, and then we both grab each other's necks, and David West broke it up. Lance had nails, so he scratched me. Turner did clarify, though, no punches were thrown. But then they had to be separated, he was bleeding and everything. And that was the night before the NBA playoffs. How did they do in said playoffs? Well, in the first round, they did squeak by the Atlanta Hawks, but Roy Hibbert played atrociously. He averaged five points and 3.7 rebounds. Mm -hmm. For context, this is a guy who's usually scoring between 10 and 15 points and getting around 15 rebounds a game. He was playing terribly. He had one game where he had zero points and zero rebounds, which is not Not good. So they squeak by in the first round. They do make it past the second round. They go to the Eastern Conference Finals, but they lose to the Heatles again in six. That series, though, is the infamous Lance Stevenson blowing in LeBron Mm. James's ear series. (laughs) So if you remember that, we'll also put a video to this, but there was an out-of-bounds play happening, and Lance Stevenson, the instigator that he is, was trying to mess with LeBron, and he very seductively blows in LeBron's Mm. ear, and LeBron has a delayed reaction and then gives an iconic facial reaction of, are you kidding me? (laughs) I think it's the funniest thing LeBron has ever done is that facial reaction. It would have been very funny, not that the Heat would have cared about beating the Pacers, but if they had like recreated that same Pacers photo after defeating them, that'd be such a great troll move. Man, gosh, that would be good. Or like if enough time passes, if enough time passes, the Pacers... And it would be risky. You would like, I guess you'd have to do this if like the Pacers were bad. You would do that. You would do the exact same photo shoot again, like same outfits and everything. But like, I don't think you can do it with a good team. You would have to do it with a team that was really, really bad. So they lose in the Eastern Conference Finals. And then just to add injury to insult, I guess, that offseason is when Paul George had his really bad leg break that we will not put a video to on horsehoops.com. No, never again. But that happened. So then he was going to be out for the whole year. Lance Stevenson had a weird contract thing where the Pacers didn't offer him a huge deal. So he tried to go somewhere else. And they give him not a lot of time to sign. He ends up going to Charlotte. David West goes to Ring Chase. Like, the team just completely fell apart that offseason. And a lot of Pacers fans blame it on that infamous GQ photo shoot. 
So Adam, that actually happened. The Pacers hmm. tried to look like a bunch of sexy R&B singers, and they looked great, but they played poorly afterwards, and that actually happened. Love it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Horse. Horse is hosted by Adam Amawala and Mike Schubert. Our editor is Kensei Suramaki. The website is by Kelly Schubert. The art is by Alison Wakeman. The music is by Bettina Campamanes. And the social media is by both of the Horse Boys. Thank you to our producer-level patrons, Polly Burge, Kendra Hadley, Salvatore Tessa, Siobhan Ellsbury, Don't Go Chasing Taco Falls, Bang, Bang, Roast Beef Debris, How About Them World Champion Denver Steam Nuggets, Anna Reed, Steph Curry for three, but does it really matter if your team sucks? <laughs> that was a fart noise. <laughs> fart noise followed by... Just in case my editing software yeah, cleanup takes exactly. it out. <laughs> Hi, Trish, Nicole Shepard, Chase Underulo, Mr. Bubbles Plays Ball, Naked Rachel, Josh Isn't Rich, Sydney Crosby is a Vampire, Chelsea's Cousin, Ginger Spurs Boy, and Balls to the Walls. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Horse Hoops and on Twitter at Horse underscore Hoops because... Horse Hoops was the photographer mm. of that Pacers GQ photo shoot and they just, you know, they Larry Bird got to that guy. Yeah, I mean, as to be expected. Go to our website, horsehoops.com, for links to not only that very sexual, sensual photo, but also some <laughs> very swarthy Benny the Bull dance moves, uh, Benny flipping alongside the court, and many other Benny shenanigans, and much, much more. Mm-hmm. And if you want to support the Horse Boys and get a bunch of cool bonus content in exchange for doing so, you can go to patreon.com slash horsehoops. Check out bonus video stuff, audio stuff, written stuff. You can also go to horsehoops.com slash merch to get Sup Nerds shirts and digital items, all sorts of goodies. But we'll close out this episode by saying something on the count of three in unison as we always close out the episodes. Anything you're feeling, Adam? Hmm. Well, I do believe that this will be the final episode of 2023, will it not? Am I wrong about that? Oh, let, let, I think you are correct about that. Let me pull up a calendar to double check. This will be the last one. So we could say, you know, happy new yeah, year to we'll everybody. Go the, happy holidays, happy new yeah, year. Yeah, let's, let's do that. Let's cover all the bases. Yeah, we'll say happy holidays, happy new year on three. One, two, three. Happy, happy holidays, holidays happy and happy new, new year. year. Good luck on your resolutions. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. I hope I hope you hit him. You'll, you'll, you can do it. We believe in you. You can do it. We both believe do in you. Do it. Yeah, Steven. <gasps> all the Stevens <laughs> are really thrown right now. And, all, and for all of the young Walters, let it be known that we believe in you as well. <laughs> young Walt, we believe in you. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.